Walking to Wednesday Comics to my right, AP18 himself. Alex, how you doing? Hello, everybody. I'm good. And to my left, uh, G-Dub himself. Garrett, how you doing? Good. I thought you were going Baby Shark there for a second, uh, but <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Wednesday Comics Podcast. My name is Marvin. We're here to uh, not only talk about the books coming out this week for the uh, 10-6 and 10-7 2020, we're also here to review some comic books that came out last week, uh, as we do uh, a couple of uh, big hitters last week. We got uh, Three Jokers number two. And uh, what was the first book we read? Texas Blood uh, Texas and Blood Threshing. And... Hulk Thr- oh, The Threshing. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, well, so we'll talk about those books later on the show. Uh, just a reminder right here up front, uh, our interviews uh, are up now. SuperConOnline.com or you can go to SuperCon.com. Uh, uh, and it, there's a link there also. They'll be up for uh, 30 days, uh, starting on last weekend. Obviously, the third and the fourth was the actual event, and uh, now you can go on there and view um, our interviews with uh, Phil Hester, Phil Hester, and Ryan Cody from uh, Family Tree, Ron Mars, and uh, Rob Guillory. Uh, we have interviews with all of them. Uh, all you have to do is register for an account. Uh, like I said, it's free. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that. I don't know why I said, like I said, I mean, past, past episodes. Uh, it is free. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff on there. Obviously, this thing's for charity. So uh, if you feel uh, that the content was good enough, and by the time you watch R4, you'll say yes, it is. Uh, donate a little bit to Reach Literacy in the JY6 Foundation. Uh, 10 bucks gets you entered into a contest to uh, win at least $100. So... Uh, from last stop CD shops. There you go. Um, and that's not only local, right? They ship it out. You can go ahead and ship it out. So there you go. Uh, so let's talk about those comic books. Uh, DC uh, obviously comes first because they uh, put it out August 6th, like I've been saying for the last couple weeks here. 10 brand new comics for DC. What's that? You said August 6th. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm trying to think of a warmer time. It was uh, warm today. Eh, it was all right. Um, actually, it was a nice little warm. I mean, you know, you don't like get too warm in there, and then you gotta, um, you know, sweat. Uh, here we go. Batman number 100. It is here. Joker War Part 6 conclusion. The Joker War comes to a city shattering conclusion as Batman battles the Joker in a brutal and no hands bar duel. This is a fight 80 years in the making, and its outcome won't just change Batman's life. Here you go, Alex. It will change Gotham City for years to come. Plus, catch the first glimpse of a new villain known as the Ghostmaker. The Ghostmaker? Um, <laughs> wasn't it the Clown Killer? Uh, and no, Af- this the, the new one's the... Yeah, I saw that little picture that I guess he's probably going to be the next villain. Or and after the sense-shattering conclusion of the Joker War comes a pair of short stories that will chart what's to come in Gotham City and Batman. Don't miss the first showdown between Batman and the Clown Hunter. Oh, there we go. There's the clown hunter. Uh, so there we go. Uh, Alex, what do you think? The Batman number 100, 56 pages, six ninety nine, uh, 100 issues of the Batman. Excuse me, I'm still getting over the life-shattering and life-altering storyline. To be fair, also, uh, it's 100 issues since Rebirth. It's not like 100 issues. It's way more than 100 issues overall. I, I actually am really excited to see how this issue will end, and I... I I'm usually pretty hard on the life-altering and death-defying storylines that really have no stakes, but I actually could see uh, this book having some outcomes that either you're you're excited for or kind of 
disappointed in, and I'm actually super excited. Like this isn't even a book that I'm like, oh, this is gonna be crap. I think it's actually really, really well done. I think the whole Joker War has been uh, phenomenal, and '98 specifically made me see this book in a better light, knowing that we really can hit some um, hard to hard to get a hold of areas, especially when it comes to Alfred. And uh, I think I'm excited to see what else this book has in store for me. Well, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Dark Knight, number 100. Uh, as Alex stated, a lot of good things have been happening recently, and so we see if they can hit a milestone and still be good. You know, I mean, at the very least, Alex, I am very excited that this is a Batman 100 where it's not just filled with short stories. It actually is part of the story that's ongoing, and we don't just get a short part of it. It's going to be the main story, however many pages we should get of that, 32. Maybe probably last 28. And then the rest will be short stories. So, uh, And it's also going to be short stories of like detective or things that are coming up. So it won't be entirely irrelevant and like just stuff from Batman's past. So um, That will be nice. I mean, I'm like this conclusion of this arc. I can't believe it's ending this issue already because like it's been so explosive. So it's hard to think that after this, there's going to be a new status quo going forward. But uh, yeah, very excited. Which is not to say that those kind of issues aren't great. I mean, we all know that the uh, Detective 1027 we all enjoyed. And so, uh, I mean, it's like 10% of the time it's good. Sometimes it's just filled with, you know, stuff to fill the pages. So, uh, a special Legend of the Swamp Thing Halloween Spectacular, number one. In this 48 collection, page collection of all new stories, the Guardian of the Green reveals past lives and unfor- unforgettable horrors that befall those who cross his path from ancient Rome to present day. Swamp Thing stalks these ghostly and ghastly, ghastly tales, all of which are best read by the light of a jack-o'-lantern. In this, we have At the Heart of Trees by Mike Perkins and Ram V. No Sign of the Enemy by Julian Leith and John Timms. Ring of Stones by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Domo Stanton. Age of Discovery by James Tinian IV and Christian Ward. Sleeping Giant by Vida Isla and Emma Rios. And At the Heart of Man by Ram V and Mike Perkins. So they get two of them in here. So uh, that's coming out there. If you're looking forward to... Wait a second here. How come it says down here? Legend of the Swamp Thing. Spectacular. And it says, written by Tom King. And Tom King's not any of those stories. Yeah. I saw he was credited elsewhere, too, so I don't know if it's something that he is... Maybe he was supposed to, because or... Ramvi is writing two of the stories. I wonder if one of them was supposed to be Tom King, and he had to drop out at the last second. So, um, All right, there you go. Uh, speaking of uh, somebody dropping out for a while and then coming back, it's here, baby. It's here. Uh, part one, Don't Look Behind You, American Vampire 1976, number one. America's broken trust between the government and the American public has crumbled. Paranoia reigns supreme. It's 1976, and this is the concluding chapter of Eisner Award-winning American Vampire. Skinner Sweet has exhausted all efforts to regain his lost immortality. Uh, with his powers and purpose gone, he is now determined to go out with a bang. At a seedy motorcycle rally in the desert where he's closer than ever to getting his death wish, Pearl Jones and a shocking partner track him down for one last desperate mission. The force known as the Grey Trader and its minions are tunneling through the bowels of the world to unleash hell on Earth just in time for America's bicentennial. Uh, with catastrophe looming, 
It's up to Skinner and Pearl to reconcile and change the course of history or die trying. Obviously by uh, Scott Snyder and Raphael Apatakuki. Uh, there we go. American Vampire 1976. And uh, coming out on the black label, originally uh, part of Vertigo, but Vertigo is no longer. And so there we go. We got American, We got DC black label instead for this book here. Uh, Dave McKegg also on colors. Uh, fantastic. I just can't wait. Um, looking at the preview here. Uh, good, good, good stuff. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, I don't even know when the last American Vampire came out. 2014, I'm going to say. No, that's way too far. Uh, actually, you know, it doesn't seem like that far, actually. American Vampire. Let's see. I don't even know what the last... The last one I remember coming out was like that anthology. Death Race. Yeah, the 19... Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, second Cycle ended in 2015. 2015. The anthologies came out in yeah, 2016. So four years... But the main story, the last issue of the main story that came out was 2015. So uh, we're back, baby. That's how I like my comics. You guys know. Secret Warriors, this. Uh, not Secret Warriors. Um, Shield. I like a nice gap in there <laughs> of at least five to seven years. <laughs> that way I understand everything that's going on. And uh, I can get the ending that I need. So uh moving over to image comics die number 14 karen gill and stephanie hans the great game part four hey stephanie shall we do die's take on the big battle and return of the king sure thing karen can we add some big emotional messy beats to the visual splendor sure thing so uh alex what do you think die holy jesus christ Hold on, i it? think probably one of, one of my more favorite books that's coming out and i think it's every issue um is amazing a part of it for me is that I never got into the uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but to see this book and to kind of live that life of these these six friends who I'm starting to feel like they're not all friends anymore. They're all kind of doing their own thing, whether or not they split up as a team or they went elsewhere to uh, rule a world who whenever she stops talking about it, man, it's going to bite her in the ass and most likely literally rip her face off. Uh, it's so good. And I am... I, I, I'm, this is my negative part. I'm a little weary that issue 20 is going to be done because it was, you know, a 20 sided diet that they show. I realize that's not necessarily how this book is going to work out, but it would make sense. <clears throat> what if it goes one to 20 and then back down to one? Holy crap. That'd be legit. Too legit know. to quit. 30, 39 books right there. Uh, art looks fantastic in here. So basically the synopsis is uh, Karen and Stephanie Hans. Karen Gillen, uh, talking about what they shoot in here, and they want to do a big battle. And if you look by this art, it looks pretty uh, uh, grand in scale. So uh, looking forward to that. Die, number 14. Uh, getting together, number one, Cena Grace, Omar uh, Spahi, Cena Grace, and uh, MX Strubble on the art there. Jenny Fine also. Series premiere, newcomer artist Jenny D. Fine shines along Marvel's comics Iceman writer Cena Grace and co-creator Omar uh, Spahai and his all-new modern dramedy you didn't know you need. Sam and Jack are best friends. Sam is dating Lauren, Jack's indie rocker sister and roommate. When Sam and Lauren open up their long-term relationship, uh, skyrocketing tensions, sending social shockwaves through their friend group in an entire Bay Area. And Jack, caught in the middle of it all, may be forced to take sides in a conflict he never wanted to be a part of. Life gets messy when you're in your 20s, and your friends are your family. So it looks like um, 
It's going to be, uh, you know, not every comic is a fucking capes. I don't know why I got to swear. Capes and uh, cows. And so this is one of those ones that are just a slice of life. And it looks like, uh, judging from the cover, they may be uh, kind of doing an homage to uh, Friends TV show. So, uh, um, right, Alex, you got you get, they already got a couch. They got this light that's and the umbrellas. Oh, got umbrellas. They just need the fountain in the back. Uh, you know what? Honestly, looking at this cover makes me want to get it just because I love, 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 love Friends. Uh, but I also don't know if I'm cool with it only being four issues long. Oh, yeah, one of four? No, oh, okay. Yeah. So, well, I'm guessing the first I issue. Wait until it gets printed. But that for, cover looks sweet. The first issue might be, there might be bigger issues since it's four ninety nine. but we'll see here. Uh, do you guys still get this book, Moonshine? No. Nope. Oh, okay. Skip you. I saw it on there last week. I mean, for last month, too, and I was like, oh, we didn't talk about it. Uh, Spy Island, number two, Chelsea Kane, Elise McCall, and Lita, Leo, excuse me, Maturian. Uh, Super Agent Nora Freud, Freud is fine, thank you, and yet she's stuck on an island in the Bermuda Triangle without a clear mission. She's running low on sunscreen. Her sister has just arrived. The body of a man Nora recently assassinated just floated in with the tide, but she has this totally under control. Spot Island is a four-issue special limited series by the creative team that brought you Maneaters. Now, Alex, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, uh, we read this, right? Yes. I remember enjoying this, except for the mermaid parts. Uh, yep. No mermaids whatsoever in the synopsis. Uh, on the cover, no mermaids anywhere. I see a hand in the glasses, but that's all. Uh, do we get mermaids again? You think? Oh yeah. I mean, they got to come back. Uh, right? And and actually, my my concern is going to be that we're going to get more mermaids, and that the whole Spy Island thing was just like a ploy to get me brought in because the first the start of the first issue was great, and then it kind of took a side turn when it talks about mermaids. I'm like, okay, I guess it's Bermuda Triangle, whatever. Five species of mermaids. Uh, okay, I, I guess I can get on board with that. And I like weird stuff. But that really took me out of the book when I signed up for something else. I don't know the way you oh, said that. Kenneth. The second issue must be uh, a board game in a comic. You, you know what? Honestly, it could very well be. I'll just have to rip that book up in half and find out that here's all my playing cards. It's a mermaid to go with, pop-up. To go with my man-eater cards. Yep, a mermaid pop-up with the top end. Hey, are you fucking around? <laughs> Sorry, man, I'm bitter still. Uh, three not, not back matter. Alex, not that own. you have anything against mermaids. Obviously, Ariel, you love her. Um, Who doesn't love Ariel? You like I mean, that? We know Superman loves the mermaids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tidal waves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's tsunami. one man that does. It's that guy. They call him the tsunami maker. Uh, there you go. Uh, Marvel Comics, Amazing Spider-Man number 49, Nick Spencer, and more. Okay. Artist more, I guess. Ryan Otley. Amazing Spider-Man reaches another landmark. What? Another landmark? It's 49. It's not 50. Oh, 850. It's the 850th issue. <laughs> I know we get double whammy. I bet the next issue is also $10. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check after I read this. Oh, I God. just feel the Marvel, like the cringe right now. They're just like, oh, we'll get them on 49 because it's the 850th issue. Then we'll get them a kid on issue 50 of the regular run. You know what's funny <laughs> is that... <laughs> You know, I like I like your voice for it. That was great. Yeah, smoking your giant cigars yeah. too big for your face. Fucking idiots. You know what's funny lie. is that I can't just type in Amazing Spider-Man 50 because there's been so many in the last five years is that 
Uh, it's like, which one do you want? I was like, okay, well, the 2021. Uh, Basically, Spider-Man reached another landmark and we're celebrating Spider-Style. As if things weren't bad enough for Spider-Man with Sin Eater's Reign of Terror reaching riot, riot levels, the Green Goblin is back. Of course, he has to be back. Uh, when, I mean, when does he leave? You know, he's, he takes sabbaticals, obviously, but he's never gone. Well, even when he is gone, this thing that made him leave is just completely ignored when he comes back. And there's always somebody impostering him. Like, it's all around some kind. By the way, not to interrupt myself, but (laughs) that cover is fantastic, I just noticed. Um, it does look great. It's a little busy, but it's good for this type of issue. So Spider-Man's been through a lot, even though the worst. I'm not going to read these fucking uh, bullet points. We know Spider-Man 850. Uh, here's the moment of truth. Spider-Man 50. Um, they're 99. Oh, looks like they're not, they're not no, going to celebrate right. this one. LR, 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 last remains. Oh, this oh. is right issue? Maybe the they knew the wrath of fanboys would come down on them, being like, "You can charge us ten dollars for two fucking issues in a row." Oh, here's uh, yeah, but to be fair, most idiots would buy that, so I'm one yeah. of those idiots. No, well, looks like yeah, it's just a regular issue number fifty. They're Ooh. not going to celebrate it. Way to go, Marvel! Kudos to you for. Well, anyways, that cover looks good. Ryan Otley is a good Spider-Man artist if he's on the book. Like he's been obviously on and off. Is that correct? Yes. Uh yep. Yeah. So what do you think of the Spider-Man book? Garrett, I'm not even caught up on, are you? Yes, it has gotten really good. Um, the new villain, his name is Sin, um, and he's like, he's basically the, the Punisher on the villain side, um, where he, not only does he murder people that are bad, but he murders them, like, mercilessly. So... I think his character is compelling and it's made this Spider-Man kind of more of a crime book, which has been, I think a lot better for me than the jokey, like let's only play with three villains in this entire 50 issues kind of thing. So, and like, yes, Harvest is there in the, or what's his name? I no, can't Kindred. Kindred. Kindred's stupid. Harvest sounds cooler. Harvest um, is a good name. I tell you every time it's a good name, but it's not this character's it's name. more memorable. I'm going to create a character named Harvest and they can all suck it. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, whatever. Kindred's in the background, and so is Norman Osborn. But, like, besides the one page of all that that nobody cares about right now, uh, the Sin storyline is pretty damn good. Uh, you know what the one thing is that the Kindred stuff has been going on now for 50, pay- 50 issues, and that's not including all the other side things that have ever come out. Um, I really hope that when the Kindred storyline shows up, it blows my socks off, because there's been so much built up for it. Uh, if it's not good, I, I'm just going to want to rage. I'll play uh, Spider-Man and beat the shit out of everybody. I, I bet it's Gwen Stacy. It's got to be oh. something so outrageous. Like, it's kind of like Batman Arkham uh, oh, spoilers. Arkham Knight, when we find out who the Arkham Knight is, so I won't spoil it. But it was so obvious, like the yeah. most obvious choice possible. And they're like, oh, you guys have no idea. And then you get even to though, it, and you're like, got ya. <laughs> but that's even when they, they already spoil other parts of that where you're seeing that character like, okay, yeah, of course we know who it is. Yeah. Dum-dums. There are a bunch of dum-dums. <laughs> um, Arkham Knight was Batmite. Just say it. Yeah, he got Can't stilts. Can't confirm and deny that was Batmite. <laughs> he got some stilts to help him walk. 
Black Widow number two, Kelly Thompson, Elena Casagrande, Adam Hughes on the cover, Widow No More, something is very wrong with Natasha Romanoff. She's happy. Retirement definitely agrees with the world's deadliest woman uh, as she reveals in the most perfect light she... Life. Oh, life. She's never dreamed she could have, but the scratch the surface of that perfect life and you'll find something very wrong and a woman like Nat just can't help but scratch. Alex, refresh my memory. Did we enjoy the first yeah. issue? Uh, yes, you guys talked about it on the show. Oh, okay. Garrett, I enjoyed it. It was very good. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, I don't know why that solicit read like a Catwoman book, but uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah, I thought issue one, like the art was great. The story was like... It was pretty compelling because it's obviously a somewhat brainwashed Natasha. Um, oh, so, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to kind of find out more about how she became, or maybe we won't find out anything yet, but we'll kind of start seeing who the players are in this book. So yeah, I enjoyed issue one. I'm yeah. looking Speaking forward of to which, this issue. Black Widow, you know, the movie has been delayed. Uh, we'll say at this point indefinitely. Um, but obviously, it was supposed to be out by now, which is funny because if you've been to or have seen like, uh, so my I have two young kids, and Christmas is coming up in in two months, and so you start looking at toys and stuff. There's so many Black Widow toys, because that movie was supposed to be coming out. Like the um, who's the uh, the other character that's in the movie, the red what scare? Uh, same the red scare. What's his name? Isn't he like? Crimson, not Crimson Dynamo. Oh, uh, like Crim- Crimson Shield or something. Yeah. Russian Captain America. No, no, not that. No, I think I can't remember what his name is. Crimson Dynamo is that it? No, that's the no, that's the toy that they make. Red Guardian. Oh, so, Red Guardian. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's like tons of toys of Red Guardian. So obviously it's based on the movie because nobody's out there looking for Red Guardian toys. And there's even Halloween costumes of Red Guardian. So Jeez. I guess, I mean, obviously they made them, so they just can't keep them in a warehouse. They got to be like, hey, let's put this out. But it's pretty funny to see it and be like, that movie was supposed to be out and they obviously expected Red Guardian to be a character that people liked <laughs> enough to dress up like him. Um, so I just find it funny that costumes are out there now. People are like, who the fuck is this? Like... The same thing with Wonder Woman, though. I see Wonder Woman shit all over the place. At least people know who the, the fuck she is. That's true. Um, which, you by the way... What blows my mind armor? is that the movie was supposed to come out in May to begin with in theaters. By now, that movie would have been out for us to purchase. And I still yeah. have to wait another year and a half for it to come out. June 2nd. It was supposed to come out originally. Right? So I could have I could have been watching this movie oh, no, that was the and one. loving everything. And I feel like we won't get Marvel TV shows till Black Widow comes out because I bet it has. Well, the WandaVision one we're getting, but the rest of them got pushed back. Yeah. Oh uh, really? Yeah, I think WandaVision is like in its own world, so it doesn't really need any other show to be on. But obviously, like Falcon and 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 uh, Bucky, what the fuck's it called? Winter Soldier. Um, mm-hmm. That one obviously is probably gonna have a lot to do with Black Widow, so they had to hold on to that one because they said it was a delayed, but they wouldn't give a reason, and they've been filming, so like, you know, it would be out if it could be out. Um. To the point of Wonder Woman, right now for Burger King, and I know because I have kids, uh, when you get a Happy Meal, you get a Wonder Woman toy because obviously that movie is supposed to be coming out here in November. Uh, so that is not happening. Did they, did they delay that already again? Or is it still coming out in November? Uh, I saw December. December, yeah, that's right. It's still hanging on, but you know, James Bond got moved back. Um, 
Dune got moved back like a whole year, and uh, so everything's getting moved back. Nothing's coming out. So I doubt that movie sh- shows up. If anything, they'll release it on VOD. I have a feeling that one more likely, they'll just be like, hey, put it out. Um, but in the back of Three Jokers, did you see this today? Uh, it says, hey, can't wait for the movie to come out. Read these Wonder Woman comics. And it makes me laugh, them being like, hey, I know you've been fucking waiting for this movie. Uh, just read these comics and just hang on a little bit uh and which is not their fault right it would have been out like al said by now and it would have been out on fucking video by now and so uh we gotta wait to see it so uh i just wanted to bring this up obviously i don't think anyone's get this or would be getting this but uh i find it intriguing champions number one outlawed uh eve ewing uh simone demille and tony and fontaine uh champions return in troubled time a lost past that goes against everything miss marvel nova and Spider-Man found the Champions 4, but the world still needs heroes, even if the world does not want them right now. Even if Miss Marvel makes an unexpected and emotional announcement that her team won't go down without a fight, a group of team vigilantes gather their plan to plan their next move, but the Cradle, that is uh, an acronym, C-R-A-D-L-E, Task Force is hot on their trail, and there's a spy in their miss. Uh, so there you go. Uh I do enjoy all these characters. I don't know why I'm not reading this, but uh, I think it's just because it's like, I don't know. I was going to make up a reason, but there's no reason. Um, yeah, it doesn't look half bad, but we'll see. <clears throat> uh, Marauders number 13, Vita. A lie. Wait, who's writing this book before? Jerry Dugan? Is he not writing this anymore? Oh. Uh, he must not be. Not this issue anyways. Uh, artist Matteo Lottley and covered by Stephanie Hans. Uh, of uh, die fame, uh, Axe of Swords uh, Part Five: A Secret Flight, A Long Journey, A Thief and a Queen. So there you go, Marauders. And Jesus, that's Part Five. Okay, because yeah. yeah, so the three, four, and five are coming. Yeah, yeah, it's out order here. Wolverine oh, okay. number six, Ben Percy, Victor Bandovich, and the Adam Kubert on that cover, which is actually pretty fantastic. Um, Axe of Swords Part Three: Descent, Penance, A Legendary Power Reclaimed, Rental. Advisory. Uh, so there's that one. Look at this fucking art real quick. Oh, there we go. Looks good. Looks good. Um, and then part four of X of Swords, Ben Percy, Victor, Bondagovich. Oh, double duty. X-Force, uh, Stealth, The Power Within, A Burden of Knowledge, uh, X-Force number 13. So there you go. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Oh, you just see Wolverine's arm melted. So they do. Like, I, it feels like these books are just being taken over, and it's just going to be the Exodus Wars uh, story. So, I mean, Wolverine's in both this and X-Force, so it may make sense that his story continues. Uh, but you can see from the cover there, it's still Wolverine story. So um, what do you guys think? The Wasn't there another book coming out? Wasn't there four this week? Yeah, well, there's one last week. So one last one week. would have been... X of Swords. I know, but two. remember I said there was like it was like four, 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 and then three. Well, let me look here again. I'll wasn't, look it, at, wasn't it one, three, and then like next week's three? I'll, I'll take a look here. You, uh, what do you guys think about the uh, X of Swords three, four, and five? Um, I haven't read part two. I thought part one was good. Um, so yeah, I gotta read more to be able to kind of know for sure if I like this or not. I'm excited to get into it. I'm actually still 20 issues behind getting caught up on just my X-Men books, let alone getting into the X of Swords. 
Uh, but I'm re- actually really pumped to see what else this book has in store. Uh, I mean, I can't believe it's going to be 22 chapters worth of stuff, whether that's good stuff, bad stuff, or just some stuff stuff. Uh, but I'm actually like just the dedication to a year and a half worth of X-Men coming into a 22 chapter book is exciting. I like how you're saying stuff like hot stuff, good stuff, bad stuff, hot stuff, pizza. Where was the, uh, didn't it have dates before? You had had dates last week. I think maybe it's in the actual X-Men book that came out. We read, uh, it actually has the dates instead of just saying the issues that are coming out. So, um, you know, I'm not really looking forward to it. Uh, I, I enjoyed, oh, look at that. I still have the X-Men book pulled up on my phone. Um, I also enjoyed it. Here we go. No, there's only three this week, so they're still on track. Uh, four next week. No, it's going to be three next week. Two, oh, there was never a week before. Three is the max. That's fine then. Um, not fine, but I mean, better than I had imagined in my head. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Where else do? <laughs> while I was looking that up, uh, I'm not sure if you guys said this already, but if it holds up the quality and the story is cohesive and it makes sense to get them all, I won't be disappointed. Now, when we read these three issues, if one of them feels like it was a total throwaway and you put it on the checklist for no reason, right? When you make a checklist like that, you made it make it seem like I have to get all these, right? Usually a crossover is like, hey, well, here's the main story and then here's some crossover issues. They don't make a checklist to be like, hey, make sure you read it in this order, especially when they're called chapter one, two, three, four, five, six. You know what I mean? So I just hope that uh, it is uh, worth the price of admission. I'm willing to pay it for Jonathan Hickman and, and whatever story he has to tell us. But uh, and I'm, you know what? I'm up, I'm all for a great X Men event, uh, especially one from uh, a creator that has done an event before, a couple events before that I've enjoyed. Uh, that is Secret Wars and uh, also uh, the Avengers New Avengers the whole run um, and Infinity. Like, uh, all that I enjoy. So the track record's there for me. Now I just needs to know whether or not it's worth it because even with the, uh, with the Infinity, it was Infinity, Avengers, New Avengers. And even with Secret Wars, there were side stuff, but you don't have to read the main book if you wanted to. So uh, to put 24 chapters, that's a risky move, and we'll see if it pays off there. Uh, well, you see that Jonathan Hickman's not even posted on any of those books. Yeah, I know, but he still would be involved in the overall story. It's similar to, like, speaking of which, uh, to plug our interview with Ron Mars, he didn't, like, he is in charge of all of them. Uh, doesn't mean necessarily that he wrote them all, but he's involved in all of them, so. Um, I suppose. Or any kind of, like, event like that. Like, it uh, doesn't mean that the writer writes every issue, but they're coming out, they're writing it based on his story, so. Um, he has to be, otherwise the, the event won't work out. So we only find them when we're dead. Number two, Al Ewing, Simone DeMille. Uh, I'm not going to read that synopsis because uh, this being on the list this week reminded me that I did purchase issue one. I just haven't read it yet. So I'm going to get this too. Uh, I believe uh, uh, our colleague over at A Comic Book Look, uh, still waiting for that content, Tom, uh, stated that he enjoyed the first issue. And so I'm looking forward to reading it. By the way, I like the move where they make the whole cover of the title. Looks great. So uh, it looks different. Like yeah, that'll catch your eye. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I heard good things about the first issue. Like I said, uh, bad memory on my part. Nothing against the comic book. 
I saw this and I was like, oh yeah, I bought that first issue. Um, and the thing is, Alex, you know, in this modern age, when I got them <laughs> digitally, once I buy them and I don't, if I don't open that app, you know what? It's it's blind. I'm in a blind spot. <laughs> Otherwise, normally they would be in a stack here, and you know, I was very I was very meticulous about going through my stack and making sure I read every issue. Right? I got an organized system over here, so uh, it's not like. You know, I, they're just wherever, and like I'm like, hey, I think I have that issue somewhere. I got to find it. No, it was a very nice system. It, you know, Dewey Decimal called me up, and he was very jealous of it. What I got going on over here? He said, uh, I, you know, people know my name because of a, a system I created, but uh, maybe they need to know about the Marvin system. And I said, you know what, Dewey? First off, I do like that. First name. off, you're dead. Are <laughs> you telling me I got scammed? Because I give this guy a hundred bucks just for, because, and my credit card number. <laughs> All right, uh, Alex, what do you think? You might want to check week? your bank account. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, this one's a hard one to pick for me, actually. No, no, I I changed that. Uh, easy pick, Batman one hundred. I got to um, see how this book ends. Damn it! That was gonna I'll be pick mine. it too, Garrett. Gosh, it's not a big deal. <laughs> Batman 100. We're going to make a triple P? Yeah, Batman 100. Yeah! <clears throat> only because, Alex. Only because uh, out of all the books... And actually, it's not like I have... I don't. I have, I have a nice number of books for me uh, this week. Um, but it's the one that jumps out being like, I am excited to read that one. Like, that's the one I'm going to be like, okay... Obviously, that's gonna be on the list for our for our reviews. Like that's there's always a book on you know where I'm like, hey Alex, let's review this one. Where uh, then the rest of them, I really don't care like what it is. But that one has got to be on the list, baby. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, so. no, no one's gonna be on the list because I want to talk about it. I either want to bitch and moan that I hate it, or I want to glorify it and sing it to the choirs that this was amazing. So, um, on the old uh, Twitter sphere, uh, we had a listener uh, I saw stated that uh, they don't know why we do the uh, do the weather report on here, uh, but they enjoy it very much and look forward to it every week. Uh, uh, going back into the history of uh, uh, Wednesday Comics, the annuals, the annuals of time, uh, Alex uh, uh, would know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> listen, Alex, you can listen to this part. Alex uh, was the... Uh, Weatherman, we used to do this part of the show as a separate show called the Wednesday Comics Forecast. And since we were doing the forecast, Alex would tell us the weather. Uh, Garrett would tell us the road conditions. And uh, and that would be the show. Well, uh, the show, this part got morphed into the regular show in the beginning. And Alex uh, still tells us the forecast. Garrett, obviously, the roads don't change that much. And so Garrett uh, moved on from that position. Yeah, Domino stopped that program. So I said I better call it, too. <laughs> Uh, he moved on I don't know what that noise was that laugh but it sounded like have you ever seen Jurassic Park when uh, Nedry is eating lunch and he opens up that can of whipped cream and makes that laugh that's what that was Uh, but anyways that's what we do the weather forecast speaking of which Alex what's the weather looking like what are we we seeing you know what you know what? It's gonna be dry. We're in that drought season. There hasn't been a speck of rain. I mean, the most rain you see is when I spit out the window, and that's just to cool some poor person off. Um, it's gonna be hot. Jesus not hot, Christ. hot, but just so dry. You're gonna have to get the lotion out, and not for your own personal needs, but just to keep those hands moist. You're gonna be turning the heater on eventually. But guess what? It's still nice out. 
Alex. Enjoy it. Open those. Yeah. When's the next time we're going to see rain? Uh, a week and a half from now. Check it. I know you're going to look at it and see what my paid associates get and if, whether or not their computer can guess it. I'm telling you right now. Next week, week and a half. Well, next Monday, so. possible rain overnight. is isn't safe for sure. I'm looking at the percentage here. We have uh, what is called a uh, 20% chance. So, you know, that doesn't mean anything. That's 80% chance of none. Not a none, but there's none. And that's also at midnight. Like, it's not during the day. Uh, so, uh, you know what, Alex? You're right. It looks a little dry, a little humid. Uh, we're going to cool off, looks like, by the end of next week. You know what? I'm looking forward to it, though. I'm looking forward to the fall. Uh, like you stated, we didn't have much rain, which might be good for this winter. Uh, that means not much precipitation, uh, not much snow. Because I don't mind the winter. I don't mind the cold. I don't mind. Uh, I just hate ice and I hate snow. I mean, it can be cold <laughs> all it wants to. I just don't need to be slipping sliding out there, right? What am I? Is this, is this an ice rink? I decided for hockey, right? I didn't sign up for to put on some skates and and, and knock around a stick. I I, I don't want to go out there and slip and slide. So, uh, you know, then you got to buy salt and it, it tears apart the roads. And then you got a you got a, a garret situation over here with the potholes. So, um, <laughs> I'm retired. Don't ask me. <laughs> and so, uh, I'd rather just be cold. And if you can make that happen, I, I would very, very appreci- uh, uh, appreciate it, Alex. I, wasn't it I, nice when it was cold? I mean, like, I when I I always ask Alexa every morning what the temp's going to be, and I was like, 79 degrees, I hate this. Yeah. Hate it. Like, when it was, like, 55, like, had, you could open the window a little bit, get a nice little cool breeze in, go outside. Flannel put, weather? Yeah, put on a sweater. Oof. Some pumpkin coffee? I mean, come on. Uh, Bastralo, what's your favorite kind of sweater? You go turtleneck? You go uh, half zip? Quarter zip? You get a hoodie? Oof. I just do a hoodie. You go regular? I, wear a, hoodie. I can wear a hoodie every day. What do you get? A, you go to hoodie? Yeah. You got a, you got a one that you can put over your head or you go the zip? The full zip? No, I got, I, it go, it's just over the head. A pullover. It's the best. Why do you go pullover for? Yep. Like you don't like the easy access to get out? No, because then it ruins the emblem. <laughs> you know, I only have one sweatshirt that I wear. I know. I that, badger, know. that badger's one. To, to be fair, I don't know why the fuck I asked, because uh, literally you wore that sweater every time we did a show for like three years. So, uh, Not really. Have a season. Uh, Garrett, what about you? What do you got? I mean, flannel. That's my favorite. Like, Is it? Old enough. Have I ever seen it you is. in flannel? I wear flannel all the time when it's cold. Alex, I, you seen him in flannel? I assume it's his PJs he wears at night. No, <laughs> I mean I do. I've never seen you wear flannel. I uh, I wear that. Well, I've I've had a Superman shirt since like sophomore year of high school that I still wear every night when I go to sleep. So, if you're talking about those PJs, gross. <laughs> don't worry, it's it's bit. There's patches all over it, but they've been sewn up. So. <laughs> So comfy. <laughs> this shirt hasn't fit you since you were junior in high school. No, I mean, it. it's not like a freaking gypsy shirt or something. Like, a, I'm not wearing a crop top to sleep, man. <laughs> you're wearing a tube top by an hour. You're just like, whatever. Yeah, it's like, it's so comfy. I like my belly hanging out. I don't get how, Garrett, <laughs> you say that that, that uh, flannel is your favorite, and, and me and Alex spent a long time with you. 
and I've never seen you wear flannel. I used to wear flannel in the studio all the time. I'd wear my <laughs> uh, green and yellow one or my red and black one. But I just got three new flannels because I knew it was going to be cold, and I like flannel. You know, we're going to have to call you just Al Borland from Home Improvement. <laughs> sure. Wait, do you I, know I who that I, is? Yeah, he's uh, Toolman Taylor's right-hand man. So you said it like you were like, I don't know what that means, but all right. I just said I do. No, I just commented. <laughs> all right, get your comic books, Rainbow I'm, Comics and I'm Cards. I'm still over the tube top thing. I know that show came out when you guys were like 13, but like <laughs> I, I saw the reruns. <laughs> You know what? He's not wrong. That's probably 13. Uh, <laughs> Rainbow Comics and Cards is uh, kind of your definitive source for all things comic books. So if you need to pick up any comic books, either the ones we talk about today, the ones coming out uh, this week, or any of the ones uh, from an interview you heard on SuperCon Online this last weekend or moving forward with the next 30 days, uh, RainbowComicsandCards.com. Uh, they have physical locations in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Lake in Nebraska, go to soup. Excuse me, go to rainbowcomicsandcards.com for more information. Uh, three books this week. Uh, one of them was how big? How big was this book? Fifty-four pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three jokers. Um, let's start first with the Mortal Hulk: The Threshing Place. Uh, Thirty-two pages of uh, Jeff Lemire and Mike Del Mundo uh, art. Uh, this comic is uh, one shot. Takes a uh, you know, it's called the Mortal Hulk, the Threshing Place. So it like takes place in that world that uh, Al Ewing has set up, but it necessarily doesn't have to do with that story. Actually, I, I guess I would have known because I don't read that book. Uh, Garrett, it has nothing to do with the current story, right? Um, it is in a similar format to the current series, but otherwise, no, it has nothing to do with what's going on in the main book. So we get a, a Hulk obviously being attracted to Gamera, uh, you know, what he's made out of. And... He gets uh, pulled to this one town in America's heartland uh, where a young girl is missing on a Kansas farm. And Bruce Banner is going to investigate it. You know, they don't like kind of strangers in this uh, little town. And uh, I just want to say that, first off, Mike DeMuno's art uh, in this issue is, I think, fantastic. Uh, He colored himself. And uh, I've seen Mike DeMuno do his art in numerous places and his style actually is kind of uh, noticeable. But in this one, uh, I'm not sure if he has a new coloring style or some new tools, but it's very cinematic. It's, there's a lot of depth of field. There's a lot of uh, nice uh, uh, placement of characters to scenes and, and the way the panels are set up that uh, I thought it was very, very uh, thematic and, I thought really helped, especially the way Jeff told his story. It's very not super fast paced. Like if you're looking for a Mortal Hulk like action book, this is not it. Uh, it's definitely very low paced. The Hulk shows up for a little bit. And by the way, when he shows up, he shows up. Let me tell you that right now. Uh, yeah, like the, oh my <laughs> fuck, like the end. Like I was like, okay, Hulk's gonna rage out. Like Bruce Banner's gonna rage out, whatever. And then it was like, or he's gonna do that, and that. The ending was just insane. All the Hulk scenes were just. I mean, if insane. you're if you're gonna kill somebody, you obviously gotta chop their uh, pop their head like it's a, a balloon, right? <laughs> or popcorn. Um, which, not to spoil anything, because uh, I don't know you guys are caught up with the boys. Uh, but earlier in the season, there's somebody who got their head popped the same way, 
and uh, it's a lot of popping heads. And I think they're trying to give you some sort of complex uh, in these uh, comic books. So, but uh, uh, I thought it was a it was a great little story. Obviously, it's a one shot. It doesn't have to do much with. Um, it's more of a take on like Bruce Banner and him being angry and still being a hero, but also when he turns to the Hulk, the Hulk's not nice. Uh, I like the way that the dynamic is between Bruce and Hulk in this issue. Like Hulk is his own person. Uh, and he's like, hey, you should listen to fucking Bruce because here comes Big Bag Daddy. And uh, I like to pop heads. So, uh, and, <laughs> and he liked to pop heads. Um, Alex, what do you think? You know, I was a uh, big fan of, of Del Mundo art. And what a change, though. It wasn't as abstract as it normally is. There's only one abstract character that, uh, actually two, that did an amazing job of really bringing me into that book when Bruce turns into the Hulk and it's just this all, like, homage of stuff. And it was so good. But all the other stuff, it was nice. I mean, it just, it was nice and clean. It wasn't like, oh, where do I need to be looking? Like you said, it was very thematic, very nice. Uh, And even Jeff's story, plain and simple. I mean, it was a nice, a nice, roundabout way of just seeing a a nice bruce and hulk mix and when well, hulk talks and it's actually understanding mean, just words way so nice so good well, when you bring up like it being about bruce like that's kind of what i've been missing in the current immortal hulk book is like bruce is dealing with his like five different identities that are stuck inside him and i get lost sometimes just like trying to figure out who's who and so this is so nice and like not a lot of work to be like okay there's a story about bruce and bruce not wanting to bring out the big guy but he also still wants to help and like the big guy's like like you said marvin he's like well, hey if, if you should have listened to bruce because now you got me and i'm a hell of a lot worse to deal with um God, it was just so good. And, like, yeah, the art was incredible. Like, it was hard for me to think that that was Del Mundo. I was like, who's this new artist? And, like, what, can I get them on another book soon? Because, like, that just looks so good. Um, and I think, the like, his art told a lot more than what was going on in the story. Like, especially, like, I really like the homage, like, in the last page where he's, like, walking off into the sunset. And I could just picture, like, hear the uh, Lonely Hulk theme uh, from the old uh, Incredible Hulk show as he's walking away. I'm just like, God damn, brought it back. <laughs> uh, I agree with you. Like when I saw his art and when Alex was saying too, it's like not so abstract. It's uh, um, definitely more grounded. Um, it just, it, it felt like a very nice, and I say that with Hulk popping heads. Uh, I'm going to keep bringing that up because it fucking surprised the hell out of me. Um, but, like, it was a nice pace and almost kind of like a, a book we'll talk about here in a second, That Texas Blood, where that book, you know, takes its time with the pacing and knows it has time. But this one, for being a one-shot, like, it really doesn't have time. It has It's 32 pages. And it has 32 pages to tell a story, but I feel like it told what turns out to be essentially a very simple story, but knows not to ignore. I'm going to take something. If you listen to our interview with Phil Hester, doesn't ignore, you know, the uh, quiet moments, uh, whether it be the, uh, the father, when he gets his daughter back, you know, all of a sudden to be nice to Bruce. I don't think you see that the many times when the when a character suspects another character of doing something. And then obviously he didn't do it them you know kind of reconciling and and him asking bruce being like is this why 
you are the way you are. Like, is she going to be like this? He's, he's, he and Bruce is like, no, because you, she has you. And Bruce has never had anybody to kind of help him through this. And so he's like, she'll be okay. Um, but he's like, you better get out of here though. And, and he knows what it's like to be constantly be hunted. And, and now like this person, like that, what Garrett was saying, there's a small moment when they Hulk is killing everybody and before he decides to kill a guy, he's like, come on, I got a family. And he's holding him and he looks over and he sees the dog bowl that says green on it. And he sees her hairpin sitting there. And just knowing that, and it was like a cage, and knowing that she was in there and they were treating her like a dog, was experimenting on her, um, where it didn't matter to, to Hulk that this guy had a family. He was not a guy that needed to stay around. Like if he was able to do that, like it doesn't like it doesn't matter that he had a family, and so like those kind of decisions, like seeing a monster uh, like to be angry and mean and violent, but still care for this girl, and that way, like it's it's very subtle in that way, like that that's what makes a great Hulk comics. It's not just about the guy smashing what you thinks, which you know can be fun, uh, what my son enjoys him for, but him being violent but also having a moral compass uh, is what makes, at least to me, Hulk interesting. And I think this pulls it off fantastically in these uh, short pages. And it amazes me, what amazes me more, uh, to take this a little outside of the comic and more into Jeff Lemire's life, is that this guy was like, yeah, let me do a one-shot over at Marvel. You got enough going on, Jeff Lemire. Like, he's got his own books going on, but he's still... And it was... It almost kind of talks to his need to really tell these stories when he they offered him to do a, a Hulk one shot. Uh, he still has something that he wants to tell, and you know, and and I find it very refreshing, but yet very simplistic, which is uh, I think the greatest thing that you can uh, give for this character. Like, it doesn't need to be super complicated. We don't need some sort of, you know over-exaggerated space story, even though some of those have happened before with like Planet Hulk. But I think really driving down to the human aspects of both characters uh, and the monster kind of aspects of, of both characters also and how they really kind of live together, uh, I think that's what this succeeds at. Um, and it's a perfect like 32 pages of somebody says, hey, what's the Hulk about? You give them this book and I think they would get it. Yeah, I mean, you said it there, 10. Yeah, ten, ten, ten. this was a ten for me too. Pick of the week. Yeah, yeah, ten was ten's good. You know what this is going to be? We don't do this kind of award, but at the end of the year, if I ever did best single issue, I think this would be it, like a best one shot kind of thing. Um, fantastic. Like I don't, I don't know how you could have told a better uh, Hulk story in thirty two pages. Like I said, it, 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 it wasn't, it didn't feel the need to be uh, bombastic for bombastic reasons. It felt the need, like when. It needed to be big and loud and violent. It did that. But it did it in such short bursts that it made those moments exciting. It made those moments surprising. It made those moments more violent because the rest of the book is not like that. And But also there are a lot of pages of, you know, those quiet moments that lead to the loud moments. And I think that's what really Hulk is. And, uh, you know, go ahead, Alex. Has, has Jeff ever written Superman? 
I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I think he has in Swamp Thing. That's it. Yeah, he was in yeah. a couple of issues of Swamp Thing. Um, I want to see. Because I think Jeff, I think Jeff would be an amazing, even if he only did a three issue run, or just a mini series of Superman. I think he'd be one who would bring Superman down to a more human level and a book that I would love to read. Because I, I did love this Hulk. It wasn't about Hulk being a monster. And he was the mon- he was kind of like what's um, I don't want to say Swayze, but anyway, he um, he only did what he had to do because that's the right thing to have done. Hold up, he knew when to escalate. You didn't want to say Swayze. What were you gonna say Swayze for? I was gonna say that. So in in um, oh shit, what is it? Roundhouse or Roadhouse? When he goes, you know, when do we when do we know when to fight back? And he goes, I'll let you know when not to be nice. And that's what I was thinking of was. Patrick Swayze from that movie. <laughs> I know. God, my, you're old. You're old. Um, How's that old? <laughs> it's an amazing movie. Alex, it is a great movie. We're talking to a child here. This guy. I know. I know. He was seen the things that you guys were teenagers growing up with. <laughs> Not yeah, that and, movie. And, and didn't love it as much as we do now. Gosh. Uh, I do actually want to uh, mention that. <clears throat> so, uh, uh, Jeff Lemire um, did the run of Animal Man, and um, uh, which I believe that's what uh, Garrett uh, Superman showed up in because he didn't write something. And um, it very much this movie very much felt like that. But I do feel like in that one we have um, shit. What was his name? Travis. There's the artist for that book is very more abstract. It's very like kind of Cronenberg uh, esque. A horror where this one is uh, not really like that. Um, I would like to see what Mike Del Mundo and Jeff Lemire could do in those type of books. Like, I feel like this tone is great. And not to say I love Animal Man. I love his Animal Take an Animal Man because it is this. It is the how does how do how do you have a human family story around a character who basically is dealing with monsters? So, um, oh, I, that's right. The other one was Charles Soule on something, wasn't and it? And Scott Snyder, yeah. And Scott Snyder. Oh. Whoops, getting my supernatural characters out of whack. So, but anyways, like you said, fantastic. So uh, um, there's nothing more I can say about this book. I with like we didn't even really talk about the the story besides the little nuggets here and there. I don't think you really need to. I think the the what this book has that makes it fantastic besides the Mike DeMundo art is what Jeff does fantastically in any of others books is finding the human element, finding uh, something that we all can relate in uh, or at the very least empathize with and take that and make you feel for the characters in a way that like in a way that he makes you feel for this little girl that you know for like what six panels she's not into that much and uh, I think that is one of the the right things is that Jeff knows how to uh, no matter what genre he's writing take these characters and make you care for them in the limited time that he has, but doing it in a way that doesn't feel like disingenuous. Like it, I, uh, it, uh, it doesn't feel like he is manipulating my emotions to feel for this person. It feels very natural. And I mean, I think that's the, the thing that Jeff does, uh, that is the great, no matter what book we're reading is that we really feel for his characters. Like think of any Jeff's books, and those characters feel real. Like you're not thinking of Jeff Lemire uh, when you're thinking of those characters. You're thinking of those characters as real people, and that's because he's so good at what he does at making them 
fleshed out, making that making them empathetic and making you feel for them, uh, whether it be one issue, two issues, or uh, twenty. So, uh, nothing. Yeah, nothing more I can say about this. It's fantastic. So, uh, that Texas Blood number four. Uh, this is Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. Uh, which, by the way, we we mentioned this on the forecast last week uh, of the show. Uh, fantastic cover, uh, beautiful colors. Um, in this issue here, Randy, uh, <laughs> buddy. So Randy, obviously, Joe Bob's investigating the death of Travis Trill. Randy came back to town to uh, kind of figure out what happened to his brother and uh, goes home, basically, uh, or to Travis's home, their old family home, to gather his things and kind of has a breakdown um, and uh, goes back on, uh, what do you call it? Off the wagon, on the wagon? Off the wagon. Off the wagon. Decides uh, <laughs> to take a trip. By the way, we've been talking about Jacob Phillips, who I think is fantastic. Um, at least he has been um, in this ish- in this series. Uh, the panels of Randy taking that first drink, fantastic. I, I think it, the way that it's told, especially with the cut up of those panels, kind of sets the pacing, uh, which is fantastic. Like, so there's one thing here that in comics and in movies, movies you have more chances to control your pacing because you're in charge of the time, right? But when I hand you a comic book, you know, Alex could read it in 30 seconds. No. Uh, Garrett reads it in 30 seconds, and then Alex can read it in like five minutes. So the pacing could be, it's really up to the peep, the person, and the most you can do is try to control it. And I think Jacob Phillips does a fantastic job, and Chris Condon obviously, uh, I would imagine, has some input too, but in that scene, in order to make it so that you don't just read it in one foul swoop, and to actually take in the moments leading to him taking that first drink, it's cut up into like slices of panel, uh, it's really like one image, but it's like spiced up to kind of make you pause in between until he takes that drink. And I thought it was fantastic. Um, fantastic. Well, it was also breaking down his like decision yeah. in that moment of time. And like, yeah, I thought that was a cool storytelling element. I was like, wow, that's beautiful. And, and, and for a character who we've known for at this time, three issues, this is the third issue he's been in. And he's mentioned before that he is, uh, um, dry, uh, but like to see him fall off the wagon like this because of what he's going through, uh, makes that a big moment and makes you scared for what comes next. Um, cause he does not seem Alex. I don't know if you can read this like I can. Uh, he does not seem like a man who suppresses his rage, uh, <laughs> like the rest, like a normal person. He, he might be popping some heads by the time we get to that page, that panel or that book uh i was really excited for this issue and honestly there was a part where there was a lot of a lot of exposition a lot of words and i was going oh this this book is gonna really kind of lose me and it didn't lose me what i had to read was important to what i need to get to and then there were just pages where it's just here's a little word bubble of joe bob talking to his wife yeah even that scene with joe bob and his wife yeah was amazing and that was gold which is wow it's like, um, uh, I'll get to that part actually in here in a second. I wanted to address the first thing that you said about there's a moment where there's a lot of exposition. I also feel like, you know, the need to have that character given the exposition had an accent and the way that they were writing kind of made it hard to read it. 
But I did give it the benefit of the doubt because it's supposed to be in Texas. And this guy has a, a very heavy Texas accent. And so it's kind of hard to read that accent. Um, I'm sure if it was like in a movie or something, he actually was just speaking, we wouldn't have that much of a difficult time. And it wouldn't have been, at least for me, Alex, I feel like I was like stuck in that spot for a little bit because it like took so long to read what he was trying to, or try to figure out what the fuck he was trying to say. Um, but I agree. Like that scene with Joe Bob and his wife eating dinner and she's asking him what's wrong. And he's like, I don't know. I feel like something bad is coming. Like I feel it in my gut. And she's making jokes, being like, is it indigestion? And he's like, he laughs about it. He goes, no, I just feel it coming. Is, uh, and we talk about it all the time on this show. It's like one of those moments that you feel, you know, his dread. You feel his fear about like what is coming, especially with what you know what Randy's doing and and everything on going on in the background. But still, like, to know what it, that bad stuff is coming is not as... It doesn't make me feel for Joe Bob the way that seeing him be worried about it makes me feel, especially when he's with his wife. Like that's when he's feeling worried. Yeah, uh, he's thinking about it, probably you know processing a lot of things, being like, "What if this does get bad?" And thinking about his life and 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 to be in that moment with him in his head uh, is is one of those quiet moments. You know, I mean, I'm gonna keep bringing up that that phrase because we talked about it uh, over on Supercon Online this last weekend, but. Uh, I think it is one of those moments where you're like, yeah, that's me. I've been worried at the dinner table, you know, and somebody, and your wife asks you or like a friend or a, a spouse, a spouse, uh, I meant significant other, uh, will ask you, be like, Hey, what's wrong? And for your, for his wrong to be Joe Bob's wrong to be like, I feel like something bad is coming. Uh, and you know, he's been a sheriff for God knows how long, what has it been like 50 years or like that. If they didn't have an anniversary of the first issue. I can't remember. I think he did. Something like that. But he's been obviously a sheriff a long time. And uh, if he feels like something bad is coming, something bad is coming. And uh, it's just, and especially with a guy that's been around for so long and he's probably seen a lot, for him to be worried about what's coming, you know, that puts a sense of dread over the whole thing. And it doesn't even help that after that, you know, it's it's, uh, bookended by that. And then we get Randy, you know, falling off the wagon and we know that guy is not uh not a cool head so um i agree with you alex like that part did kind of slow me down i was like oh fuck come on but i feel like it was the accent but then the rest of the book fit fucking fantastic uh i'm i'm interested so there's two parts that i had noticed is one uh the girlfriend that uh, randy leaves behind saying hey i gotta go uh take care of something down texas she decides she's gonna come down and I want to know what her her space is going to be in this book. Is she going to be the the thing that pushes Randy over the edge, or is she going to be a bargaining chip? Is she going to just be in the way and be an annoying girlfriend? So she makes me either excited and she kind of makes me nervous. Going, what kind of player are you going to be in this book? Well, even uh, in your head, and Garrett, I'm going to ask you the same question because I was doing it during that last couple of pages when she's leaving the voicemail. In your head, aren't you being like, get out of there? Like, what are you doing here? Like, obviously, he, he yeah. knew not to come. He told you not to yeah. come. And and now you're like, it's also that sense of dread, but in a different sense. Because now you've become Joe Bob, and you're worried about what's going to happen because of what's going on. Well, exactly. And, like, as you can see how intense things got on that farm a couple issues back, like, 
the girlfriend thinks she's coming in on this innocent scene of a brother dealing with some grief. Not an innocent brother dealing with some grief in the middle of a drug war, basically. Not a drug war, but a drug operation. And whenever drugs are involved, things get bad fast. So I think she's going to come in thinking that all she's doing is being a good girlfriend, supporting her boyfriend. But then she's either going to, like, lose her life. Uh, yeah, uh definitely see uh randy in a different light because he broke his vow on you know being dry and who knows if his drinking will lead to drug use and yeah basically the the hurricane's coming and you know i actually got a parallel to like psycho in that like psycho the movie where you know the sister of the lady that dies in the beginning of psycho spoilers of 60 years um like calls and is like trying to get a hold of the sister and be like all right i'm just gonna go drive down there and then you get there and then there's like a you know murderous freak there uh that's what like that's kind of the vibe and dread i get as she's like trying to make her journey towards where randy is so yeah i feel like uh, it's gonna all come to a come to a head and it's not gonna be pretty when it does well even what you just said garrett i didn't even think of is like randy just fell off the wagon she's going to go find them what does even that start like what is even like what's the the, the uh, outcome of that interaction and does that lead to uh you know the start of a storm that you know he's not going to be able to contain in Joe Bob uh you know being the uh the sheriff and knowing the forecast that's coming you know dread in the air uh how big is it going to be and like you said like that scene on the farm it's exactly what I jumped back to too when I was reading that part I was like the dude just showed up at, at their farm. And they're ready to kill him. Like, what are they going to do now that he has no impulse control because he's drinking? What's he going to try to do? And now his his girlfriend's there and Jim Bob obviously going to stop something too. And like the whole thing is going to turn into chaos. And uh, I, you know what? I don't know what to expect because uh, um, I feel like this book uh, is very true to life in the sense that uh, it plays out. Like it doesn't play out according to a story. Uh, normally would like there's not beats that we're trying to hit. Uh, it just feels like it's life going on, and I'm here trying to uh, watch these characters not make bad decisions, but some of them are. So the other thing I enjoyed was that they actually did a nice callback to the first issue, where uh, I think the husband's name was Ray, whoever's married to Ruthie, and that he was killed. But it's just nice to see that Joe Bob is still working on that case. It's just not as precedent it's not the first thing it's not priority like some other stuff is going on in the city yeah because he was obviously he saw him kill himself so like which is a suicide so it would have been better if he brought up that salad bowl but that's just me (laughs) (laughs) that casserole dish casserole dish yeah uh this was a nine for me just that one moment of alex brought up uh also was kind of uh, a downer for me not downer but it ruined the pacing for me a little bit just because i was had a hard time reading what it would uh the accent, but otherwise fantastic. So it was a nine for me. I'm sitting at nine as well. Like I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I feel like obviously the story is still unraveling and the next issue or two is definitely going to be a, a powder keg. So, uh, who knows? I'm excited though. I am going to give this a 10. I actually really enjoy this issue. Even with the slow beginning, uh, it wasn't enough to deter my enjoyment of the book. Uh, the pacing was great. And I think a part of the not knowing what's going to happen because this book really does feel uh, more true to life makes me more amped to give this book higher grading because every issue 
has been spectacular. Uh, there we go. And at the very last thing here, Alex, you didn't get this right. No. Uh, Batman, the three jokers, number two, uh, by Jeff Johnson, Jason Fabak. Um, we won't go too much into spoilers because I actually do think that <clears throat> the, uh, this issue uh, had really kind of some unexpected things happen. Um, and so uh, we'll kind of try to be vague on that. But um, the continuing story about the three Jokers, obviously in the first issue we set up that there were three Jokers. And we're kind of trying to figure out if there's one real Joker, why is there three? I think in this issue, Garrett, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we might have got a little bit more insight into how that's possible. Um, yep. And uh, I will say, uh, there's a little bit about this continuity, which I'm not a big continuity person. Like, if you want to go outside of continuity, that's fine. Uh, but I believe the story is supposed to be in the main continuity. But there's a little piece that is, like, uh, not fitting correctly, and it just makes me confused on on where this is supposed to fit the story. Uh, Can I'll you just, say that piece, or is that spoilers? I'll just say it. It's, it's definitely a character moment that they kind of bring up. Um so at the end of the last issue, Red Hood killed Joker, or one of the Jokers, uh, the mm. uh, the uh, clown uh, Joker, uh, Clown Prince. And uh, Bruce in this issue just says one line being like, or I think it's, it might be uh, Batgirl, one of the two, that Jason didn't have Bruce to shape him after his tragedy, like the way he, he helped Batgirl out. And so, and she's like, if you would have just trained him and made him better we wouldn't have had this situation. And I was like, but I feel like in the actual like main continuity that Jason's not really a bad guy anymore, but they kind of act like, yeah, he, what is his bad guy? And like Bruce should have helped them out and, and shown him how to be a hero. But I feel like that's been done already. Well, I mean, he comes back as red hood. I mean, you know, the interim time from when Jason dies basically gets brought back to life by the League of Assassins. Uh, yeah, I, that is kind of confusing because I think they're... I get where you're coming from. I mean, it basically be from when he becomes Red Hood to that's Red Hood as a vigilante as opposed to Red Hood as a murderer. <laughs> like, remember remember that story that we read in one, uh, 1027 Detective... Uh, the the uh, Brian Michael Bennis story and the Red Hood and that and how he's working with all of them and he's trying to solve the crime with them, um, but he's not really super violent in that. Like that does not feel like the same person that this is. This person feels like he's on the edge. He could any second blow his casket. Obviously, he did it the last issue, and he doesn't care what Batman thinks. And but meanwhile, in the main continuity, at least at least from how he's appeared in Detective and Batman. Uh, to me, um, he does seem on board with Bruce. He does seem like he cares about Bruce and he, he's gotten over it. Uh, mm-hmm. and so it just felt a little weird to be like, oh, he's not over it yet. And I was like, it feels like he's past it already. But anyways, but I, 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 I do feel like Joker is a trigger for him though. Obviously. I mean that getting him back into that mental state that he's like pushed off and blocked in his mind so much. Um, yeah, again, without spoiling this, but I think like, when something is gone there, well, yeah, there's a scene that's going on that's that plays a parallel to the death in the family storyline, and when that's going on, it did oh, make, yeah. like make me cringe inside, and I was like, "Fuck this!" I mean, that's just so much for. And I get it; these are characters that have to deal with extremes, and they deal in extremes mm-hmm. on a day to day basis. But even I was like, 
fuck, that would fuck with you so meant like I'd be mentally and physically exhausted having to go through that twice. By the way, the the end of the last book, so this is a black label book. The end of the last book really felt like that was super violent. Uh, the how that book ended, and um, I was like, okay. But when I was reading this one, there was a couple of times where I was like, holy fuck, they could put this in a DC book, and then I realized it was black label. Uh, that scene you're talking about, Garrett. Mm-hmm. There's also a, a lot of uh, uh, male nudity. Uh, no Batwing, uh, Alex. But there's oh. a lot of naked people running around in this issue. And uh, I just was like, I was like, whoa, this is just a lot of uh, ass around here. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it, just, it just it was kind of weird. And it, it made me, especially with some characters who you're like, uh, it almost felt like that Batman damn first issue. You're like, oh, I guess this character gets to be naked. Um and uh, uh, so I do feel like it really is using that black label in a way, though, that is like it's not trying to push it just to push it. Uh, I just feel like it really does need to be also. I'm glad that they are using it. Unlike Superman year one, I don't remember any time that they actually used it. It just was like this is out of continuity. But um, I think you need to with this kind of story when you have a uh, well, Joker. In, in Superman year one, it was the banging of mermaids. So I think, uh, I think <laughs> that's that what I mean. It was like thing. it was like stuff that Super wasn't necessary banging. for the story, <laughs> but this one feels like necessary. Yeah, uh, both. it does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there is one scene, and this is a scene I do not want to give away, but there is one scene with a family kind of thing, and when you find out what's actually going on, I thought that was a great. That was great. Like. My mind was like, holy shit, how could he do this to a family? And then you actually see what's going on and it made me laugh. Which I think that is, that's Joker. Like, you could be terrified of him one second and then be laughing at what he does the next second. Which is, I think, make makes him more of a terrifying villain is that he can make you drop your guard. Um, and make well, you feel like, hey, I, this is a cool guy. I got, You know, I actually had some insight on that scene or not insight i guess it's more like another parallel and you know without giving too many spoilers away like you know that's the comedian joker who's having that yeah and the comedian joker is the one that gets the red hood moniker um because he was a stand like from the killing joke basically yeah um and if you remember his wife was pregnant so that scene you know how he gets like where the criminal Joker kind of shakes him out of it, yeah. And he's like, ah, you like he looks like someone like, you know, pooped in his uh, pooped in his lap. I like I paralleled right to that. I was like, holy fuck! Like this is obviously. I mean, to me, that's the comedian still dealing with the grief of his uh, wife and child and turning into this raging lunatic. Yeah, no, you're right. But, actually, I I forgot about that. Yeah. It's so exactly him, like having is. to deal with that, and then like the comedian, the criminal shaking him out of it. He's like, "Well, motherfucker, that was a great dream." And then, yeah, I mean, there's just so many layers to these books, and that's like what I give to Jeff Johns. Like he just knows the lore of DC Comics so well, and he just, I think he speak like when he types what these characters are saying or writes. Like I don't feel like it's Jeff Johns writing these characters. I feel like these are the characters, and yeah, Jason Todd's a little more on the extreme. Like this feels like. Huh, two weeks after he decided to stop killing people as Red Hood. Like, that's where that Jason Todd feels like he's at right now. <laughs> so um, he already jumped off the wagon then, okay. Yeah, I just mean, like, it's it's a very PTSD Jason Todd. And, I mean, again, he's dealing with somebody that literally killed his mother in front of him and then killed him. So, uh, back in Death in the Family. 
So, yeah, I mean, God, there's just, it's so good. And, like, without spoiling it, you know, it's, I don't want to spoil it for you, Alex, because it is fucking incredible. Um, but, yeah, Jason Fabok's art, like, God, I could just sit and look at panel after panel just all day long. It's like, you just wish he was doing, you know, a monthly book or even a weekly book. I mean, that's someone that I would buy art from all the time. And also, the, the way that Jason uh, is allowed to just tell a story with his art. Um, especially that first story uh, with the family that we're talking about. A lot of it is, you know, just told in panels, uh, silent panels. And then later on, <clears throat> that moment you talked about that parallels death in the family. That's also, there's some dialogue, but it's mostly visual. I think his art really does a great job of making those scenes work. Um, and you know what's funny to me, Garrett, is that Jeff Johns was a, a guy for a long time at DC where people were like, let him write Batman. That's the only thing he hasn't done. And so they let him do the Batman Earth 1, you know, thing. Um, and that was like his, oh, Jeff Johns finally writes Batman. I don't know he wrote Justice League, but, you know, uh, to do a Batman solo book. But in this book and in the uh, <clears throat> uh, clock. Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock. Uh, and in Doomsday Clock, I, th- I feel like Batman is really uh, well done. It's obviously a certain kind of Batman. It is the angry Batman. It is the Batman who still has a lot of uh, trauma. Speaking of uh, Jason Todd, it, like even the Bruce in this issue has a lot of trauma. He, there's a character that shows up that, uh, Alex, I'll just say this. this is not. It's pretty obvious, but um, no, I won't say that. There's a character from Batman's past that gave him a lot of trauma, similar to how Jason and Joker have a lot of uh, shared trauma. Uh, because of what the Joker did, and he shows up in this book, and you can tell Bruce is still angry. <laughs> he is not yeah. over it, even though he that is something that happened years ago, and so I, that's a nice parallel to how Jason's feeling. And you even see Bruce be empathetic and tell Batgirl like to give this give Jason some room to get over it. Like he doesn't tell him, "Hey, you got to stop killing people." Like he's like, "Hey, let's let him figure this out uh, and be there for him," uh, which you I think is good that scene with Batgirl like tells a lot about like the motivations of everybody. And the, the line that really broke me is like, sorry, Al, this one's not again a major spoiler, but like Barbara's like, how could you let this happen to Jason? Like, how could you let it get this bad? And he like looked at Batgirl and he's like, because I thought he'd be more like you, you know, I thought he would be like, he would fight through it and become yeah. better. And he also instead of just like giving in also that line where he's like, I didn't know he was dead. If I could go back there and take him out of that hole, I would, but yeah. I didn't know he Oof. was dead. And like, so he obviously feels really guilty about it. And, but also he has that kind of shared experience where he can, you know, if, empathize with Jason and be like, I know why he's doing this. Like if I could go and, and kill the person that killed my parents and, uh, I would too. Um, obviously Bruce, on even on a surface level, at least has gives off the impression that he's over it. Um, but he's not, there's obviously, there's a scene with a lot of rage. There's a scene, in, uh, where they're like, he breaks down a door and then Becker's like, yeah, he, they moved him to a different ward. And, uh, it's almost comical in a way being like, he's so, and once again, it's, it's not, that I expect him to be over it. He has all the right in the world to still be angry about it, but you can tell like he puts on this face that, you know, he's the Batman now. He doesn't let that bother him anymore, but obviously that's still a point in his life that he's like, no, that like, that's what 
made him who he is. And that's a thing that he is not over yet. And so he kind of, like I said, um, there's, there is a million layers in this book, which I think makes it great. Uh, it makes it rereadable. A book that's 54 pages long did not feel like 54 pages. It felt like it flew by, but also in a way that like, like you said, Garrett, there's so much to digest here. It feels like it flies by, but I could read this three more times and probably still enjoy it. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine that there's only one more issue left because I'm like, is that thing going to be 100 pages? But I'm sure it's going to be another 54 pager, you know, and you're going to, when it's over, you're going to be like, yeah, it's going to be a reread for sure. I feel like it's going to be like watching Inception a million times to figure that movie out. It's going to be a similar concept with this. You know what? But I was going to say, uh, I was going to say that I feel weird giving two books tens in this in this uh, show, but I can't think of one thing I would change this book, so I'm going to give it a 10. Yeah, I'm going with 10 also. I mean, it was just so strong, and, like, I just love when I, ha- when I have a creative team that just knows how to take care of the characters that exist in, like, DC Comics or Marvel, and, like, I felt at such at ease with the characters in this book, and it, yeah, favorite iterations of these characters, so it's it's pretty awesome. Here we go. Three Jokers, number two. Batman Three Jokers, actually. It's called uh, That Texas Blood, number four. And The Immortal Hulk of the Threshing Place, number one. Uh, once again, rainbowcomicsandcards.com. Get those books there. And uh, uh, I would recommend all of them. Even though, like, that second one, you know what? A nine's not a bad rating. And it was a hang-up thing that I'm sure doesn't, like, Alex didn't hang him up. So uh, this could certainly have been a, a turkey uh, episode. Uh, with a three, uh, 10, 10, 10. So, uh, uh, fantastic week. Uh, I think even though Alex, we only talked about three books here, I think they all knocked it out of the park, which is very strange to me. It feels like we never have a week where like there's one amazing book and the rest of them aren't good. It feels like we either have a weak week, an okay week, or like a fantastic week, uh, with what comes out. So, uh, I'm very kind of, I'm grateful when we have these weeks because it makes me so much excited about the medium again. Uh, it makes me excited for uh, what I'm reading and what's going forward. And it just makes me very much, especially when you have something like The Threshing Place and you have uh, That Texas Blood and you have Three Jokers, which have moments that you can dissect and digest in a way that makes you think about it as a comic book and think about how the medium has worked. Uh it really makes me excited and pumped to read more comics. And I, I still got one book to read. I haven't read the Department of Truth yet, and I'm looking. I haven't read that either. And I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, um, a fantastic week. I can't say any more about it without uh, just giving some uh, some more praise, uh, generic praise for it. But uh, once again, supercononline.com. Go see our interviews there. Uh, they're all fantastic. Also, see the interviews from our other uh, colleagues. Uh, that, you know, put on the show here. We had, um, as I mentioned, the uh, the man himself, Tom, from a comic book look, did some interviews. We have Shane, who uh, has been on a video episode of ours before. Uh, if you've seen that. So we had uh, Brian, who's been in an episode when we talked to Empire Comic Press, uh, uh, interview with some people, and then um, many more. So go to Supercon Online. That's Sue S I O U X P E R C O N L I N E dot com uh, to watch these interviews. It's free for the next thirty days. Uh, all you have to do is register 
and you can go ahead and take a look here. Um, like I said, look at here. Judd Winnick, Sha, uh, Shay Fontana, huh? Phil Hester, Cami Garcia, Elliot Rahal, Phil Hester, Ryan Cody. That is the family tree panel. Um, Eric Burnham, uh, Nick Simon, Mike Show, uh, Clara Meath, uh, David F. Walker, which I'm, I'm excited. To, that's our that like I said, that's our friend over there, Tom. A comic book look. I'm excited to get into that. Uh, Rob Guillory, Dave Wheeler, uh, Dan Jurgens, many more. So go ahead and view that. Another 30 days it'll be on there once again for charities. So make sure if you can to visit the donate page on there and and give a little. Uh, donation to uh, fight childhood cancer and reach literacy to give other people the opportunity to uh, exercise their uh, reading capabilities. So there we go. Uh, Wednesday comics 605 at gmail.com. That's the email address. If you like to email us, uh, send us a message. What are you reading? What do you want us to read? What is, what's out there that we're missing? Uh, there's a lot of, like I said, the medium is pretty expansive. You hear an interview with Phil Hester about how easy it is to make comics these days. It's all over the place. I like when I find a nice, uh, you know, it might be a French comic or it might be something that's a little more indie. Uh, I find it on like Hoopla or, or Comixology Unlimited. Uh, and I, uh, read it and, um, it makes me once again be like, there's so much out there that, yes, it may be hard to get noticed, but you can make a comic book about anything. So, uh, Fence, remember we read Fence? Who was whose recommendation was that? Was that mine? That was mine. That was yours. I, I really like Fence. So, like, mm-hmm. even something about fencing, I think that was a, a a nice little peek into the world of. I learned about fencing. Uh, now, next time the Olympics are on, guess what I'm watching. Uh, 605-215-1849 <laughs> phone number two call us or you can go to wednesdaycomics.com that'll take you right to our anchor main page on there there's a button that says leave a message or actually says plus message you can leave us a message it'll get sent directly to us uh, while you're there also there's a click there's a link to a website and that's where you can get our merchandise uh, get a nice coffee cup like we said fall's coming up get a nice tea in that coffee cup going you know get a nice sweater obviously Alex gonna go with the hoodie pull over of course Garo here. We don't have any flannel. I apologize, but um, you know just what? a bunch of W's and C's all over the place. Yeah, be, you know what? Awesome. You get a you get a hat, Garrett, and you can wear it with your flannel. And yes. uh, uh, I'll get a quarter zip. So, um, which I don't think we have. We have full zips, though. I'll get a full zip. You know what? A base. Well, if you just if you just rip the zipper, or I get it to stick, quarter zip. <laughs> um, or I can sew it. <laughs> you Pull can sew over. it. Uh, so there you go. Go there. And you can also see uh, the backlog of all of our shows. You can also there, there's, it shows the different ways you can listen to the show. Subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, wherever you would like to subscribe. You can even subscribe via anchor.fm uh, if you would like to. So, uh, Garrett, I heard we have a book club. Yes, finally. Wednesday Comics League of Extraordinary Gentle People proudly presents... Can you believe it? Can you not wait for it? Invincible, Volume 1, written by Robert Kirkman and... uh, Ryan Otley. Yes, Ryan Otley on art, and Cliff Rathburn is involved as well. Well, it says Kirkman, Walker, and Crabtree on the front there. Oh, okay. 
Maybe Otley didn't do the first trade, but he, he does it eventually. Right. So Mark Grayson is just like most everyone else's age. He's a senior at a normal American high school. He has a crappy part-time job after school and on weekends. He likes girls quite a bit, dot, 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 but doesn't quite understand them. He enjoys hanging out with his friends and sleeping late on Saturdays, dot, dot, dot again, at least until the good cartoons come on. The only difference between Mark and everyone else is that his father is the most powerful superhero on the planet, and as of late, he seems to be inheriting his father's powers, which sounds okay at first, but how do you know, how do you follow in your father's footsteps when you know you will never live up to his standards? So, yeah, first volume of Invincible, you know, I figured uh, we're off a lot of good uh, superhero comics lately, and, you know, we always talk about, like, sometimes it's nice not to always read in the big two, so why don't we read a superhero book? That's an independent book, and you know Robert Kirkman and Ryan Otley, and looks like we'll have some uh, others as well on the creative team, and an intro by Kurt Busiek. So that's cool. So there we go, Invincible Volume One. Uh, for anybody new, the way the book club works is that we uh, announce the book, promote it for a uh, quarter. We we do a book every quarter. Uh, we ask you to call in, email, tweet, whatever you want to do, and uh, talk about the book. And then we talk about it on a episode at the beginning of each quarter. This one will be at the beginning of 2021 in January. Uh, we'll talk about Invincible Volume 1, which seems fucking crazy. Does it not when I say 2021? That we're talking well, about I mean, that's, a, that's a almost a whole year we've been remote. Uh, so there you go. Uh, by the way, well, I'll tell you guys after the podcast is over. Um I was going to say, oh, by the way, speaking of Twitter, uh, at Wednesday Comics is our Twitter handle. You can uh, you can specifically talk to Alex at Alex Pastrello, Garrett at Garrot2188, G-R-O-O-T, G-A-R-O-T, 2188, and me at Marvin underscore uh M-A-R-V-I-N underscore S-A-L-G-U-E-R-O. Uh, if you want to contact us that way. So uh, roots of the swamp thing.com is your definitive source for all things swamp thing. Uh, make sure to go there and get uh, either involved in a future Holland files or ask about Holland files volume five coming out very soon. Uh, our friend over there, John uh, is the uh, king of the swamp. Uh, I'm going to call him KOS uh, the man, the avatar of the green, uh, the guardian of the green, according to that, uh, legend of the swamp thing special, uh, which I, I believe he was called before, but, uh, I usually call him the avatar of the green. Um, so go to uh, the roots of the swamp thing.com. It is your fitness source for all things. Swamp thing. Yeah, very interesting to go over there. You get, you know, new stuff, insightful stuff, and then also kind of fun, quirky stuff. Uh, John is the Guinness, Guinness book of world record holder for the most, uh, swamp thing memorabilia. And so you can see little things that he's uh, collected or things that he's found on the internet that he's trying to collect. Uh, little weird one-offs. Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man. Swamp Thing is that character who, we talked about this with Phil Hester in our interview, but who DC likes to use a lot, but also can't really hit it super big. He's a guy that like gets his own cartoon, but it's canceled after a couple of episodes. So uh, a lot of that's out there. And so I'll go visit that website. Also, uh, BrainwoodComicsAndCards.com. Once again, uh, get some comic books, get some sports cards, get some uh, pop figures, whatever you want to get. Uh, it's our local comic book shop here and also in Lincoln, Nebraska, but they will uh, they do have an online presence. So if you want to get any book online uh, or any of those items, they have the option to do that. So rainbowcomicsandcards.com. Uh, great week, boys. You know, some nice yeah. books there. Uh, nice, healthy show. We got about a, rolling in about a minute and a half. 
minute and a half, hour and a half. Uh, I don't know why I stared at it. And you even heard me. There was a pause. And I was like, minute, no, hour. Um, can you imagine me <laughs> this whole show in a minute? That's We'd be like the chipmunks. You'd have to be like, Alex, weather. Garrett, books good. Alex, books good. Okay, show, bye. Um, but uh, you know with the supercon online that happened the last weekend and then these great books this week and uh like i said you you get excited you get pumped for the medium i know uh we've talked about last week uh or at least i think alex you you texted us after the show last week or the week before that doing this show gets you hyped up for some uh comics reading some comics and uh i think this week more than ever uh it's like uh it's that it's that Venom Bane shot to the back of the neck. It makes you pumped up, ready to go. Makes you want to, you know, bomb some... Uh, no, never mind. <laughs> um, Jeez Louise, you have to finish that sentence. I was trying to think of something that Bane did, and the only thing I think of was the football stadium. <laughs> uh, oh, I thought you were thinking of, like, Batman and Robin, where he's like, bomb, or I guess he's saying Bane. I was thinking like, of... Burn. Why would I think of that uh, iteration of Bane out of all of them I could? Because you talked about a bomb. Oh, by the way, uh, we talked about with Rob Gallery. I mentioned that in that interview that I'm a friend. I'm a fan of pro wrestling, and I was watching some pro wrestling with my son, and a guy came out with the luchador mask, and uh, he's like, "That's Bane." I'm like, "Oh, Bane does wear a luchador mask, but I don't think that's Bane." Uh, but he said that guy's the bad guy, and so I guess uh, he did win. So, you know, you know, Bane, uh, he did win. So obviously, uh, um, justice was not on our side that night, but, uh, this guy came out of Lucian or mask and a lot of people don't know. That's why Bane wears that mask. We're not talking about the dark Knight rises that mask. I don't know what the fuck that is. Um, but in the comics, it's a pain relieving mask. Yeah. He's got fucking, uh, gingivitis. Brusher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's got a wicked case of halitosis. <laughs> Constant cleaning his teeth. <sighs> That's why he sounds like that, because he has, he has, they're cleaning his teeth all the time. Oh, make sure to floss at least twice a day. Uh, or gingivitis <laughs> may come your way. Um, uh, what was I even saying? Oh, he wears a luchador mask, obviously, we've seen in, in the comic books, and also the Harley uh, cartoon, which he's fantastic in that. I will, uh, I will praise that. Uh, iteration of Bane. Uh, fantastic. So, uh, what was he talking about, Bane? Anyways. Uh, Why he wears the mask? He, he was born with it. Molded it. Wow. You know, I was... Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, nah, I think he's born in this. I show. was saying, no, he was not. <laughs> hey, Do not fall came out, that. Came, came out of the womb with that mask on his face because that is his face. I mean, I know why he wears it now to cover that bullet hole that went square. So this is life, huh? Mother, (laughs) what is this on my face? It's a mask. (laughs) I just came from the dark. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) For Wednesday Wednesday Comics at Norman. I'm Alex. I'm Garrett. Hey, everyone. Stay safe and keep turning those pages. 